Chapter Thirteen of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Thirteen, Allison's Meeting. Did you say that you were anxious to get that boy to go to church? Asked the guest as the two girls sat together the next afternoon over a bit of fancy work miss rutherford had offered to show allison how to make such a sofa pillow as she was embroidering and allison had been glad to accept it was not every day she had a chance like that the conversation however so far had been confined to the pillow and the stitch and the way to hold the needle now allison was mastering the difficult operation and the teacher felt at liberty to talk of other things she had been waiting all day to get the right chance to display her triumph. "'Do you mean Bert Judkins?' asked Allison, with quick apprehension. She scarcely knew why. "'Yes, I said so. Why, did he talk about it to you?' Her interest in fancy work was for the moment abated. She feared that her work and her prayers were to be of no avail. Bert had been very shy of doing anything he was asked lately. He had even stayed away from Sunday school several times. Now, doubtless, he had been laughing over her anxiety with this stranger. There was a real pain in her eyes as she looked at Miss Rutherford for an answer. "'Won't you tell me why in the world you care?' asked Evelyn interestedly, not ready to answer Allison's other question yet. Allison shrank from replying to this. She felt keenly that the other girl could not understand her motives and would know no better after she was told. But she had asked, and there must be an answer. It was her duty to witness for her lord before this one as well as before Bert Judkins. Though she wished in her heart that it were the rude boy instead of the girl of the world. Because I want him to be a Christian. It seemed to be the only thing to be said, but Allison felt it would be like Greek to her questioner. Yes, he is a good deal of a heathen, laughed Evelyn. But tell me why you care. Why don't you just let him alone as he is? What makes you take so much trouble for him? Just a young, ignorant boy. I'll admit he is bright and funny sometimes, but he is awfully impudent and ill-bred. I know you can't enjoy him always. What is it that makes you take so much trouble? In other words, why are you such a good girl? Allison's face grew rosy under this, and she scarcely knew how to answer. Had she been heart and soul enlisted in helping this stranger who had come within her gates, as others wished and hoped she would be, she would have welcomed this talk with joy, and hastened with eagerness to explain her love to her Savior, and through him to all for whom he died. But so thoroughly had she fixed it in her mind that Evelyn Rutherford was beyond the pale of her influence in any possible way, that she merely felt now an impulse to guard all sacred things from her polluting gaze. As the blood receded, she made answer in almost cold tones. My Savior died for him. If he is worth that, he is worth any effort of the Savior's followers. Evelyn looked at her curiously. It was the same language her brother had used more feelingly. She saw that Allison was shy about talking the matter over. "'And what do you expect to do with him after you have got him to church?' asked Evelyn, after a moment's silence. "'He will hear of Christ, 
and will little by little begin to realize his love and will she hesitated for a word be willing to be christ-like i hope and he will learn he knows already that we are praying for him allison spoke softly with her eyes on her work it was necessary to explain all this though she had not the least hope it would be understood but to evelyn the words came with memories reflections how strange that she should use those words almost the same that her brother had used in speaking to her there seemed to be a language spoken among these strange people that was different from that of the world she had never heard of the shibboleth but she recognized it now without the knowledge and her heart warmed to the thought in a way that surprised herself then there were others going about praying for people in the same way in which he had prayed for her she was not the only one to have this unique experience were there many allison had said we are praying did that mean all those other girls their plain faces and commonplace attire suddenly took on new interest in the mind of the girl who had ignored them to allison's surprise she presently answered in a thoughtful tone yes i see then she added with a laugh well you have your wish he is coming coming said allison dropping her work how do you know did he say he would yes said evelyn with a sudden resolve to say no more yet callers came just then and took allison to the parlor and when she returned evelyn had gone to her room evelyn managed to be at the door when bert arrived the next noon with the music he had promised and as it happened allison had gone to the store on an errand for her mother so that there was no question of why he had come the guest with a guilty feeling went to the piano and began to play the music was all unfamiliar to her except now and then a strain that she seemed to have heard in church but allison wondered much on her return to hear the several familiar tunes played over and over again once she opened the parlor door and peeped in but evelyn seemed to be looking over the church hymn-book doubtless it was curiosity which led her to try them the sound ceased altogether soon and allison heard her going upstairs troubled thoughts were going on in her turbulent young heart a new difficulty had arisen they would always arise with a foreign element in the house there was a question of what to do now or rather allison said there was no question though she knew in her heart there was she had deliberately determined not to put it before her mother at all she was fearful of what her mother might say and in this case her impetuous will was determined it was just this she was appointed to lead the young people's prayer meeting the next evening it was now saturday afternoon and she had not yet been able to fix her mind on the theme and prepare why partly because she felt that her heart was not right before god and partly because she was troubled by the presence of this stranger of course she would not ask miss rutherford to accompany her to the meeting it would not be necessary nor a thing to be desired in any way equally of course miss rutherford would not accept were she to be asked miss rutherford would curl her haughty lip at a prayer meeting wherein the young and unlearned and the girls took part allison could talk and pray and lead a meeting well before her own circle of acquaintances and she had done it so much that it had ceased to be the terrible cross to her that it was to some 
but to do anything in public before this other girl in whose presence her spirit seemed to be a groveling creature she could not and would not she had reasoned this out many times till her brain was weary and that night she put the whole matter into a deliberate resolve that she would have no more to do with it and turned her attention to her preparation nevertheless she could not get away from the feeling that she was sneaking off to her meeting and leaving behind a duty undone she thought she felt a little as jonah did when he was told to go to nineveh only she would not admit that she had been told miss rutherford attended church in the morning with the family and enchanted the eyes of the feminine portion of the audience with the hat she wore though her entire costume according to new york custom for church-goers was plain in the extreme it was the very elegant plainness that turned many eyes in her direction and marked her a distinguished stranger rebecca bascombe had done her work thoroughly and very few present did not know that she was miss joan rutherford's niece the daughter of her only brother and a few added touches that miss bascombe affixed according to the gullibility of her audience there were a few a choice few who were given as a delicate morsel an account of her visit at the grays the other day in the afternoon allison went to sunday school she had eased her conscience greatly by asking evelyn if she would care to attend promising to take her into the young lady's bible class if she would and went away to her work with a lighter heart if she would not go to sunday school naturally she would not expect to be invited to go again that day but the afternoon was not all brightness allison's boys seemed to have arranged to take a day off from good behavior and fall back into their old ways before she took the class especially was bert judkins trying he whispered during prayer time and whistled during the singing and smiled at Allison seraphically when she turned reproving or pleading eyes his way. He growled in low bass whispers something about one of the girls in the classroom across the main aisle, till the others giggled, right in the midst of the most solemn part of the lesson. Allison had put much work into the preparation of that lesson, and had hoped it would reach the hearts of two or three of her class in particular behold those were the very boys who seemed most possessed not to listen when bert judkins during the first hymn that followed the lesson leaned forward and said he had to go he had an engagement with a twinkle that made the other boys nudge each other and giggle allison drooped her head on her hand in despair and if she had been alone would have cried bert however did not go he sat back in his seat and looked at her furtively noting the sad droop of her mouth and discouraged turn of her head and reflected upon his own behavior he had not meant to be so trying he was half ashamed that he had decided to please his teacher that evening and rather puffed up about it on the whole he was obliged to equalize matters somehow and hence his spirits during the class he had known that it would annoy her to have him leave the class before the closing exercises were concluded it was a part of the code of honor of the school not to run out during prayer and singing and remarks he had felt that he must do something of this sort in order to hold his own among the boys and in part atone for the part he intended taking in the evening meeting but now as he saw her greatly troubled look and knew that she was really anxious over him 
his face grew thoughtful and the influence that had made him yield and go to the meeting kept him quiet during the remainder of the session he touched his hat respectfully as he passed her at the classroom door and did not tumble out over the feet of the other boys as he often had done before and his teacher ever watchful thought that he had not altogether forgotten his promise to her that he would think about what she had said to him concerning christ however she sighed deeply as she went home and wished that it was not her night to lead the meeting she did not feel in the spirit of it she had a lurking bitterness toward miss rutherford for having in her opinion been the cause of bert judkins's behavior in sunday school just how she did not attempt to tell herself but her influence was probably to blame in some way just what she would have thought had she known that miss rutherford had been faithfully practising hymns ever since she left the house for sunday school and only ceased as she heard the gate click and knew that allison had returned it is hard to tell she was glad when she came in to find the parlor and library deserted and to hear footsteps above in the guest's room which told her she would have a little time alone she went to her own room presently and tried to absorb her mind in the topic for the evening when that failed to cheer she knelt beside her bed but while she was praying for help and strength her mind kept recurring to the thought that perhaps she should invite miss rutherford to go with her she arose by and by and deliberately put her mind to making out her program for the meeting and selecting her hymns it was drawing near to the hour and her work must be done she reasoned with herself that she was growing morbid over the whole thing and that after this meeting was well out of the way she would try to make an opportunity to say something to miss rutherford about religion she must do it hard as it seemed to her and useless as she was sure it was or her conscience would dry her distracted why had all her friends so mistakenly selected her as the one to do this work why but because they had failed themselves the thought was almost bitterly spoken to herself as she went to the glass to smooth her hair glancing at her watch she saw to her relief that it really was time to be off now in a few minutes she would have put all possibility of doing that disagreeable thing that conscience kept suggesting behind her she hurried down declining her mother's offer of some tea saying she must be there early to find some one to play and arrange about the hymns perhaps miss rutherford would go if you asked her suggested mrs gray there it was again mother and conscience allison turned with an impatient frown oh mother she would not go and i could not lead if she did are you coming to church to-night there goes the first bell and allison was off down the front path before her mother could say more it was perhaps five minutes after this that mrs gray heard her guest's door open and the soft swish of descending skirts the sound halted several times and at last miss rutherford peeped cautiously into the room dressed to go out is she really gone she asked merrily coming in and sitting down to button her dainty gloves who allison did you intend going with her why that is too bad began mrs gray with a troubled expression oh no indeed i was not going with her i have been avoiding her all the afternoon lest she should ask me 
You see, I'm in league with that absurd boy of hers, and we were going to give her a little surprise. He and I are going to play for her tonight, and she doesn't know it yet. It is all right for me to do it, is it not, Mrs. Gray? I never did such a thing before in my life. But he said he would go to church and play, as she had asked him if I would go with him and play the accompaniments. It's really very funny, and I don't know how I came to say yes, but I did. And then I thought it would be rather interesting to surprise her. There he comes now. Is it surely all right for me to go? Is it very public? Will many be there? It is all right, dear, and I am very glad you are trying to help that boy, too. Allison will be so glad. She has put a good deal of work and prayer on him. Mrs. Gray put out her hand with that inviting motion she had, and Evelyn, before she realized what she was going to do, stooped gracefully and kissed her hostess on the forehead. Then she went to the door to meet her young escort, who was resplendent in a new necktie and well-plastered hair. But Evelyn, as she walked beside him in the twilight, was marveling why she had given that kiss. Whence had come that impulse? Were there depths in her nature which she knew not of, which had never been sounded as yet? And what was it that was stirring her so unexpectedly among these strange people? They walked demurely into the chapel, those two who had planned the surprise. The room was fast filling up, but no one had come yet who could play. Allison sat doubtfully regarding the piano stool at her left and wondering if she must take up her cross and play too as well as lead. There were none of her boys there. Bert must have been joking when he told Miss Rutherford he was coming. She had hoped one or two others would come, but she had not seen them hovering about the gate when she came in, as they would have been sure to, she thought, if they were coming. Her heart felt heavy and discouraged. She did not raise her eyes to see who was coming down the aisle toward the front seats. She was intent on finding a hymn that she could play for an opening without giving much thought to her music. She wanted to be able to think what to do next. It was very embarrassing to have to play and lead at the same time. If only someone would come. She bent her head over her Bible in a little desperate prayer that Mamie Atkins or someone who could play just a little even would be sent quickly. Then she raised her eyes to behold suddenly before her sitting as composedly as if they were accustomed to that seat on every Sabbath evening, Miss Rutherford and Bert Judkins, and Miss Rutherford was taking off her gloves. Could it be possible? And the young lady was smiling, a really merry smile. Was this the Miss Rutherford who could be so cold and haughty? Suddenly Allison's cheeks grew crimson. She remembered her goading conscience and her undone duty the invitation ungiven, and the intention ungracious. And here had been help, and a degree of sympathy, and God had been trying to show it to her through her conscience, and she would not hear nor answer the call to duty. She looked at Bert, saw his expression of sheepish delight in pleasing her, flashed him a happy smile of thanks, and then another at Miss Rutherford. Allison was one who forgave royally when she saw she ought to do so. She came at once to the young woman's side. How good of you to come, she said in a low tone. And I never even asked if you would like to. Will you forgive me? Then to Bert. Oh, Bert, I am so glad. 
and the boy looked down at his violin and felt fully repaid in his heart for all the embarrassment among his kind that this had occasioned and resolved to do it again if it made her as glad as that End of chapter thirteen